Well, good morning. It's um, so nice to be here with you in person. And good morning if you're watching at home and maybe you've got breakfast on the go or something like that. Well done, you. No food here. Um, we're going to um, read together. So if you've got your Bibles, maybe you want to turn with me. Um, you don't have to. You will read it out. Um, so we're reading from Luke 24, um, starting at verse 36. Jesus appears to his disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they did not believe it because of joy and amazement, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, they asked him, he asked them even, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance of, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Amen. So I have loved getting to kind of live in this chapter over this last week. Um, it is jam-packed. Would recommend going and having a read of it um, in your own time. But just to recap, just to kind of draw you into the story... We're, we're at Easter Sunday. Um, the women, women have, been, uh, have seen the risen Jesus. They've seen that the tomb is empty, the stone's been rolled away, um, and there's no body, there's no linen cloths. And we read that the angel said, you know, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, he has risen. And so they rush back to tell the others, classic men don't believe that women are right but they were right, and they, they're in utter disbelief, they're shocked, they can't believe that actually all that Jesus had said was true. And so then we join the story on the road to Emmaus. There are two of Jesus' followers that have pretty much given up hope. They think this is it, it's all over, it's all a lie. Utterly devastated, leaving Jerusalem. They don't want to wait around to see what unfolds. They're probably scared for their lives. Their rabbi was dead. Their hopes of this new kingdom that, would, that Jesus would reign and overthrow was all dashed. And so they're traveling together and, and they're sharing their disappointment. They're sharing their upset and their anger. And then this stranger shows up and starts walking alongside them. And we know that that stranger was Jesus. And yet in verse 16, just a bit back from what we read, it said, God kept them from recognizing him. So they're just thinking there's this random guy following them on the road. 
and he has not heard about what has just taken place. He's asking them questions, he's interrogating them, he's, he's trying to work out why they're so devastated. He begins to open scripture with them, and he begins to explain like some of the Old Testament prophecies and how actually Jesus did fulfill all of them. And it was only when they stopped for dinner that evening and Jesus broke bread and shared a meal with them that their eyes were open to who this stranger was. It had been Jesus all along. There, in the breaking of bread, do we see Jesus and our eyes are open just as these followers. In utter amazement, not all is lost. Can you imagine the hope that they must have felt it is all true. We're not, we're not all um, going to jail. We're not all going to die. Jesus is resurrected. And then Jesus disappears again. <laughs> Can you imagine them being like, no, <laughs> where have you gone? So they begin to rush back to Jerusalem. They think, we have got to tell the other disciples what's going on. The other disciples are sat in that room, utterly devastated and hopeless. And in the journey back, we see them begin to discuss and, and, and they re recognize, like, didn't our hearts burn when he opened the scriptures to us? You see, hindsight is a wonderful thing often. At the time, they were too busy focusing on the event, too busy grieving, too busy in disbelief that this guy had not known what had happened. I've done some pretty stupid things in my life that I think, if only I had hindsight at the time to realize how wrong some of these things were going to go. The thing that really stood out to me that I was pre preparing this week was a time when I was um, doing lots of art coursework and I was using lots of ink um, and like drawing lots of different things with like sticks and pens and I was having a creative moment. And I thought, I know what will help my creativity. A film. I'm going to go into the living room with this jet black ink and I'm going to watch a film and draw. Now, in hindsight, obviously that was going to go terribly wrong. So, as, as I begin to draw, I think, oh, better not knock this over. Literally five seconds later, I managed to knock this jet black ink all over the carpet. It went into the hall, it went up the stairs. My mom was very, very cross at me. And I thought, why didn't I realize? Why didn't I think this is going to go badly wrong? Hindsight would have told me otherwise. And I wonder if those disciples, as they were walking back, they were thinking, why didn't we notice? Why didn't we think? It's in the reflection, it's in the processing that they have this moment of re realization. And they walk back to Jerusalem filled with hope and joy knowing that they're about to share this amazing, amazing news. They had had their hope restored. Their sadness and despair was no more. And when they get there, they begin to, to say once again, don't they, like, this is what's happened. And Jesus shows up once again. Now, they're all terrified. They say, you know, is it a ghost? And Jesus begins to say, why are you frightened? And he shows them his hands and his feet. Jesus is in his resurrected body. And yet his crucified body was still present. You see, crucifixion and resurrection are intrinsically linked. 
They can't be separated. They don't make sense without each other. It's in Jesus' death that victory is won. We can't separate Good Friday from Easter Sunday. The risen Lord has nail-scarred hands. And in this passage, we see that they're in utter disbelief and yet filled with joy and wonder. Can you imagine that moment? And I love that Jesus says, have you got anything to eat? And I bet they were just watching him eat this fish, being like, what is going on? Right in front of their eyes, here he was standing once again. The person that they thought had died, the person who held all of their dreams, he really was standing in front of them. And then we get to the bit in the passage where Jesus starts to explain some things. We read of Jesus instructing them, commissioning them, and promising the Holy Spirit. And we know that it has to be in that order because they have to be empowered for what God's asking them to do. And as I was preparing this week, I suddenly realized that actually we're in such a similar moment Everything has changed over the last 15 months. We're in this new season. And I believe that today we need to hear his instructions once again. To turn to his words, to find hope in his words, to be recommissioned and re-empowered. In verse 44 it says this. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus is reminding them of this narrative that they are swept up in. This isn't a new story. Jesus is highlighting to them that the, that the Old Testament is continuing that yes, he has come in the new, but actually it's all held together in Jesus. And that's kind of a theme throughout Luke's gospel is the constant pointing back to the Jewish text and reminding them of God's faithfulness to his people. This is what they've been waiting for. And the time is now. Next, he commissions them. He says to them, go and tell the world. In verse 46, we read, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. When he says it is written, it's basically saying this has been God's plan all along. And you guys, you are the witness to all of these things. You disciples who still aren't getting it. You were the ones that had lost hope on Good Friday. You were the ones standing here now in utter disbelief. You are the hope of the world. You are the people that are going to spread this good news. And we know that Jesus had to remind them of this witness Because otherwise, would they have just sat in that upper room? 
The message wasn't just for them. It was global, all nations. We can see they had trouble wrapping their heads around this. And he knew that he, they maybe weren't quite ready yet. And so he stays with them. He stays in resurrection form with them. But he promises a gift to come. And so when he ascends, they are waiting for the Holy Spirit. We read in verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit will come and will empower you to do all that I have commissioned you to do. We can't do any of this on our own. And so the disciples wait. And we remember this period from Ascension to Pentecost. Wonder what they were thinking. Did they doubt again? Were they excitedly, expectantly waiting? We know they were gathered together. And we know that when the Spirit came, it empowered them. Luke often uses the word um, empowering in Other Gospels, people describe the Spirit in different ways, but Luke is always focusing on this empowerment of the Spirit. And we know that Luke goes on to write in the book of Acts, and so we're not left in suspense at the end of this Gospel. We know what happens at Pentecost. But power disturbs. The coming of the Holy Spirit wasn't just a nice um, la-di-da wind It was the empowerment of God. The Holy Spirit is a person that was empowering the church. They couldn't have done any of this without him. And as I said before, that's why I believe we're in the same moment today. The landscape has completely changed. That there are things up for grabs now that weren't up for grabs 18 months ago. We're seeing thousands of people look to the church, seeking hope, looking for comfort in places they might not have looked for before. Maybe in the same way as the disciples, you might have lost hope. Maybe you think it's all too hard. The church is done. Give it a few more years. Maybe that's the reality. Maybe that is where you are today. And yet, Jesus says otherwise. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And they ended up baptizing 3,000 people that day. And I believe this morning that he wants to empower us afresh. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. I feel like I'm preaching what Andy was saying last week about... How crazy is it that the Holy Spirit lives in us? And so when we go to Aldi or Lidl, other supermarkets are available, we carry the presence of God with us incarnate to that place. Doesn't that blow your mind? Doesn't that make you excited? And I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to re-empower us to dream again to reawaken dreams in you that maybe you've let go of in this season. And I believe that God wants to birth something new in us and through us, 
to rekindle a fire that maybe once burnt bright but is now only a flicker. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to be all that you were made to be. To see the transformation of society. To see the renewal of all things. To see the kingdom of God come to earth. This is exciting, right? We're allowed to be excited in church. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And I have this sense that actually a new pouring out of the Spirit is closer than we've experienced it before. In my lifetime, I feel like there's this tangible excitement that God is on the move and God is about to do something. And I'm desperate for it. I'm desperate to see us be fully empowered, fully awakened. I'm desperate to see a move of God in this country again. Are you desperate? I don't know whether... We're, we're ready. I don't know what it's going to look like. And Rich was saying at Pentecost that so many people ask Rich, you know, like, what's God doing in this season? What's the church um, going to look like in the future? And he's saying, I don't know. But I love that I get to ask those questions to Rich. And, and I want us to be people that, that seek after more of the Spirit. I was watching, um, there was a festival on over the weekend called Wildfires. And Pete Gregg gave this incredible prophetic word. And I just feel like I'm going to read it and and pray it over us because I feel like it's a word in season for the church today. And he says, it is time to move from the back foot to the front foot. From faithfulness to the fullness of faith. Moving from defense to offense. From retreat to advance. It is time for the front foot of faith. And we can't do any of that without the Holy Spirit. We have to be empowered. We have to rely on him. A man in this season, don't we need him? Don't we need him? We can't do any of this without him. I don't want to go any further if it's not with God and where God's asking us to go. But I'm excited and I'm expectant of what God might do in this season. So can we respond? Can we pray together and ask God once again to re-empower us for the things that maybe have once gone? To reawaken dreams in us, to reawaken our desire for him. Let's stand and let's pray together now.